oh Yasmin you'll never guess what I've done what now you'll never guess what I've done what now you know when you say that it's just gonna oh just (laughs) here we go you know how I couldn't handle getting my back done yes I remember and I have to get part two somehow in November oh Um, god okay I've now booked in to finish a sleeve right down to my fingers to your fingers to my fingers you're getting it done i am finally taking the leap and tattooing the hands oh my god that's big isn't it well i just thought like people kept saying to me it will hold you back in your career and at this point i'm like it really won't let it let it i never i don't think i'm going to work in a bank at any point in my career so so this is it oh jealous i'm so you know I couldn't do that personally, not because I'm scared of getting hand tattoos, it's because as a lesbian, I can't be put out of business for a few weeks, months maybe, while it heals, you know what I mean? These these fingers is how I do my job. You manage to put in that you're a lesbian in most conversations <laughs> these days, have you noticed? Like- it's the gay agenda, it's the gay agenda. Welcome to On Wednesdays, we were black with me, Sophie K and Yasmin Simon. Hey, 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 wonderful people. So, are you ready, people of the internet? This is going to be the greatest podcast that's ever happened in the history of podcasts. I'm not even going to lie. Sorry to all of the podcasts, but you'll never top this, truly. Today, on the podcast, we have one of the most exclusive interviews with the Corey motherfucking Taylor. Can we just deep this for a second? Rap, Corey rap, rap. Taylor. The Corey Taylor. Like, not the just... The Corey Taylor. Not just any other Corey Taylor. The Corey motherfucking Taylor of Slipknot, of Stone Sour, of, of everything that he touches turns to gold. He is the voice of a generation in so many ways. But basically, let me explain how this happened. So... He is releasing an album, September the 15th, 2023. It's called CMF2. Big up, and big up. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not out there yet. It's not out there in the world, but I can tell you I've had an exclusive listen and it is very, very good. But he was doing a underplay small show in London to promote the album and he's doing an acoustic set. So he's doing, he did five acoustic songs and then also had a Q&A with questions from the audience afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to interview him. Just super casual, you know. Just casual, as, as you do. you as my good friend, Sophie Kay, you know. I mean, like, we'll get to that bit. We'll get to that bit. My best friend, my girl, my girl, my gal pal, Sophie Kay, just, you know, rang up my girl, Sophie. <laughs> That's so, I feel like I'd have that on my tombstone. Like, Yasmin Suman, daughter, friend, mate of Corey Taylor. Like, if that was me. But that won't be me, because I'm not you, and <laughs> <laughs> But I'm really glad that he let us put it into this episode of We Wear Black. Thank you, Corey so, Taylor. Basically, what happened? I'll run you through it, right? So okay. I, I went... Exclusive I'll taxi content behind the scenes. It really is. Behind the scenes. Went in the taxi. The taxi driver had the worst BO, Yasmin. I've ever <laughs> and I was so scared of turning up to interview Corey Taylor stinking of BO because of this taxi. You know when someone's like... It's like, when was the last time you showered? Yeah. Can, can you recall the date that you last showered? Because it must have been like a specific time and day. I was like a dog. I had my, ha- my head hanging out the window. <laughs> like, and I had a handheld fan that I was having to 
blow fresh air into my face because I thought it was going to vomit. Anyway, so I get there. I'm like smelling myself to make sure I'm all good and I'm all right. So we go So up. You, you meet the team and you're just there like, hey guys, where's Corey? I mean, I made it more subtle than that. I made it more subtle because <laughs> I am not as creepy as you are. But anyway, so we get there to the venue. Um, I get there, go upstairs. Corey's there, hanging out, just chatting, you know, what's going to happen throughout the day. But the best part is he hadn't even planned what songs he was going to perform. Oh, okay. Like, this guy is so talented. He was just like, meh, I've got it. I've got a selection. And then he wrote out his songs on a paper plate. <gasps> I love I that. who has that. I, right somebody I would, kept that i would frame that <laughs> so i wish i had thought it was on the stage when we got off i wish i'd thought to pick it up but that's a side story anyway so um he did the most beautiful performance like his voice he just doesn't miss a note and i think he felt quite self-conscious because his voice kept breaking but it f- made it more human and more relatable I like that Corey Taylor on a bad vocal day is still better than everybody else in the music industry. He's like, I'm having a bad vocal day and I'm like, that literally sounded amazing. What do you mean? That and He's so good. Like how many other metal bands, metal vocalists, pop punk vocalists, any genre within the alternative scene could sing like that. There's not many. Um, so yes, I'm going to play you a clip from Corey Taylor's acoustic session just so you can hear a vibe and get a vibe of the space it was a very ornate room and it had about a thousand people in it a thousand people wow that must have been intense i got my set list wet as you can see by this guitar surprise <laughs> let me give you some uh some proper uh warning I've been up since 3 a.m. No, no. I feel like Doctor Who right now, man. Like the whole world is just making the noise that the TARDIS makes. And I'm just like, fucking hell. Um, However, I promised myself that I was going to come out here and give you the very best show that I could absolutely give because I don't know if you guys knew it, but this thing sold out like fucking that. And I was just like, what? All right, so let me strap up real quick. Make some noise out there, goddamn. Are you ready, kids? I can't hear you. Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Absorbent in yellow and pours the sea. If not, Uncle Nonsense, be something you wish. Then step on your dick and float like a fish. Ready? SpongeBob SquarePants.
shoot through the glass Don't know how much time has passed And now I know it's gonna feel like forever No one ever tells you that forever feels like home Sitting alone inside your How beautiful was that, Yasmin? I'm in awe. That was like, ooh, I have chills. <laughs> that was good. That was really, really good. I'm sad I couldn't be there. Um, I'm not Sophie K, so I'm not friends with Corey Taylor yet. Um, <laughs> hopefully, he that sounds like a threat. Best friend. That sounded like a threat. If you're listening <laughs> to this, Corey Taylor, just ignore Yasmin. That was not a threat. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was quite embarrassed actually because I was. I do this sometimes. There's certain artists, and I think only really happened to me with Slipknot and with Corey Taylor I don't think it's ever happened before but obviously stood side stage and I just started to fangirl out and I was like filming and I was like singing and then I looked at everybody else and no one was singing so I, I kind of like I was like Sophie read it in read it in read it in so I stopped singing and I was just stood there very no, seriously no I, like, I think serious. that's wholesome I think that shows that you care more than anybody else <laughs> about this like that's why you're here um I Usually think you have to be a fan to. I know, right? I very rarely look like I'm having fun. I know, but... until Corey Taylor walks in the room. That's his impact. He walks in the room and you, your miserable self, is like, ah. Oh. I was like crazy inflatable arm man, you know, and I was just like singing. And I was like, I'm looking at <laughs> you through the glass. In fact, I did a video and all you can hear is me going, don't know how much time has passed. I feel like forever. And I'm singing along to the words and it's really out key. And it's so amazing. So we <laughs> can't post that video. Those are the best video. kind of videos though, I feel like when you get <laughs> no. from concerts and you're singing out of key and you're like, oh. Ooh. I'm supposed to be a professional. No, uh, I love this for you. I love how much you love Slipknot. Like, I can't think of a person who loves them more than you. I'm obsessed. Anyway, so, invited on stage, Corey Tay does the most amazing intro. And I can warn you now, there are some very emotional themes coming up. So if you're feeling quite emotional, do be aware of that. But this is Corey Taylor, live from Kingston, London, right here on On Wednesdays We Wear Black. Thank you so much. I was not sure I was gonna be able to pull that off. I don't think my hair made it. But that's okay. Did it, did it sound good? Did you enjoy that? Well, without further ado, we bring you to the Q&A, which is pre-done, pre so there's no mics out there, but yes, most of you submitted questions, and we are gonna do our very best to answer them, and without further ado, I would like you all to make a lot of noise for my good friend, give it up for Sophie K! the luckiest people in London right now. Oh, come on. Not that lucky, I sweat through this brand new shirt. Ooh, that's, that's boob sweat too, what the fuck? I mean, Depop, anybody? Uh, no, no. <laughs> right, so for anyone who doesn't know, normally I carefully curate interviews. Yes. Lots of well thought out questions. Some weird ones too. Today, I'm asking yours. <laughs> oh! Oh, it was a setup. There is See? a mixed bag yeah. here, Corey. Yeah. I'm, I'm so ready 
to feel the power of what the fuck is on that piece. And I haven't seen any of these, by the way. No. I've not seen any of them. They've offered them, and I said, no, it'll be funnier without that. So let's, let's, let's have it. Give me okay. the first one. The first one. Who would be your dream collaboration, dead or alive? And Lisa Light asked that one. Oh, okay. Oh, oh she's over there, clearly. Either that or somebody's got a cold beer on her boob. Um, my dream collab, dead or alive. Oh, man. I mean, I've been very, very lucky to have worked with some amazing people uh, in the past. Um, I'm hoping to work with more in the future. Um, actually, one of my friends who I worked with is actually here tonight. Bookie's in the house. Everybody make some noise for Kid Bookie. Mama! Oh, there he is. Um, I love you. I'm not taking my shirt off again, but I love you. I'm not gonna! Um, I tell you what, I'll give you both. I'll give you alive and I'll give you dead. Um, first, uh, as far as dead goes, man, I wish I could have been able to do something with, honestly, with Bowie. I wish I would have come. I mean, there's a reason he's like in my skin, man. Like he was like my spirit animal. Not only David Bowie, but I wish I could have done something with Prince. That would have been so. Coming from the Midwest, like he was like, that was a big deal, man. Like he was the first person from the Midwest that I saw had made it and made music, did it on his own, did everything himself and pulled himself up and made himself one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. So I so he always inspired me and I really wish I could have done something with him. Did you ever meet him? I never got to meet him. No, and that's and I I had a chance to and I fucking blew it cuz I'm a dick. I mean it's, and it's true, man. I they, a bunch of people got to go down to Paisley Park and uh, cuz we had we had people I think the beers are kicking in I'm not, now. Yeah, yeah, that, that's clearly the whiskey section over there. Um, but I really, yeah, I would have loved to have met him. I would have loved to have worked with him, but we have tons of music that we can listen to. Um, as far as like future stuff, um, I mean, Trent is definitely at the top of that list. Ooh, yeah. yeah, oh my God. Yeah. I would die. If I got to work with him, um, if I got to work with, uh, I've, I've been trying to do something with Eminem for years. And honestly, and, and this is one that I've, I've always wanted to do, but he scares the shit out of me. And I don't know if he would ever fucking go for it, but I would love to work with Ice Cube someday because that man is one of the baddest fuckers on the planet, man. Like, but he might just look at me and kick my ass, you know? He'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But you know, uh, a white boy can dream, you know? <laughs> All right, what's next? Um, Sophie Brooks. Are you here, Sophie Brooks? Over there, see an arm. This is a great question, actually. So, is it true that you're writing a fiction book? Yes, I actually am. I'm working on it, yeah. I won't give too many details away, but it's, it's something that I've been threatening to do for a while, and I've had a really great idea, not just for one, but it's actually a trilogy. Um, <laughs> It's obviously sci-fi horror because because it's me. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give too many details away, but it deals with uh, uh, powerful psychics, uh, serial killers, and uh, body swapping. 
Yeah, yeah, like I'm, I'm fucking going there, dude. And, and the cool thing is, is that I, I kind of want to, I want to almost pull a Tarantino where the first, first book kind of takes place in the, in the present, but then the second base play takes place in the, in the past, and then you know, kind of jump around like that. And, and but it's an arduous process. It's not nearly as easy as just fucking scribbling fuck and shit in a book, <laughs> and going, there you go, there's my book. There you go. Read it. Read it out loud. Fuck shit. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, uh, I don't have a timeline on it, but I, it's something that I'm really trying to focus on as well. Well, um, speaking of horror as well, a question that came up a couple of times. We've got Bobby Casey who asked it, um, but also Bobby, hello. Um, oh, he's front row. Yeah. We've also got Liv Shepard. Oh yeah. So Liv is 15. And Liv said, what three 80s horror films should I start with? Oh, fuck. Oh, look at that. <laughs> All right. I'm about to bum you out. Now, these aren't good movies, but they're amazing movies. Okay? I want you to start with... Okay, you know what? We'll start with Silly and work our way to what the fuck. Okay? Now, let me know if you've seen them. And then I'll move because I know them all, man. I'm, I'm a fucking weirdo. Okay, so, okay. It was called Ragman here, but Trick or Treat is one of the best. If there's a movie that I'm going to remake, it's going to fucking be that one, man. It's so ridiculous. I, play, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but long story short, he plays a record backwards and brings a dude back from the dead. It's the shit. It's so good. And the music is fucking amazing. Okay, that's one. Two, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. You don't have to... You don't have to watch the first one because they basically crunched the first one in the first 20 minutes of that movie. And it's not... But the first one is great. Watch the second one and then go back and watch the first one. It will give you a wholly different appreciation for the second one. And it's so fucking ridiculous, you'll just be going... Three. Are you ready for this? Are you, are you sure? I don't know if you are. Dead Alive. Have you ever seen Dead Alive? So it was called Brain Dead over here. You, you know those Lord of the Rings movies? It's him. But he's completely fucking unhinged, man. Like, it's so gory that it made my sister throw the fuck up. Like, for real. Wow. You definitely check it out. So those three, go, go with all of those three, and then let me know how you feel about them, okay? Okay, good. Liv, that was a good answer, right? <laughs> okay, do we have a Jolene Abbey? Hello, you asked a great question. Hi. Is there anyone in this room with a Corey Taylor tattoo? Oh, fuck. Lows. Okay, so you have to be careful when you answer this one. Oh, God. How do you feel when you see a Corey Taylor tattoo? It's weird. You guys are weird. <laughs> okay, listen. There's a reason that I got famous wearing a mask, okay? None of this is attractive. <laughs> the masks I can understand because at least visually it's, it's kind of cool. I just, it's just, yeah, it's weird. Listen, I'm not saying I don't appreciate it, but it's just weird. That's your choice. Hey, I, I respect your choice, but it's weird. Talking of tattoos, yeah. 
Paul Booth, the famous tattooist who did my arm and my uh -huh. leg, he called you out in 2019 and said he dared you to come back. Yeah, to and get I your told I've been trying to get a hold of him for fucking 10 years. He can kiss my ass. <laughs> it's his fucking. It's his fault that I bled half the fucking ink out on this goddamn. This is not black and white. This had color. He was fucking trying to drill my soul. It was just, it all ended up on my bunk, man. Like I woke up, I was like, what the shit? It was blood, yeah, it was gross. Anyway, no, it's like, yeah. it's like getting he can kiss my ass, yeah. yeah. Okay, where's the, where's the film, right here? Paul, fuck you. I'm trying to get a hold of you, email me. Okay. And Paul, this and, bit, please. Yeah, 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 I finished it. Yeah, do it. Part-timer. Yeah, kick-ass. Right. Um, time travel is possible. What gig do you go to, asked Richard Jones. Oh, what gig? You know what I'd do? Because I'm an asshole, I would go back and I would go to the Astoria and watch me play. Yeah. Who was there? All the old people. I, I don't know about you, I miss the Astoria so much. I know they've built something in its place and it's nice and it's clean and it doesn't smell. But the Astoria, the best thing about the Astoria is you would come up, that we were just talking about this, you would come up that back stairwell where they would throw the garbage and, and you would just be retching the entire time, like up five flights. Just, Fucking throwing up on yourself. And I was like, well, I guess this is how we're getting ready for the Slipknot show. <laughs> Kick ass. Forget the dead birds. I know. Right? But the Astoria. I, I, I just, I, I want to be in the audience and watch what you guys saw. Because for us, it was fucking surreal, man. Like, we had no idea what was coming. Because, you know, we were assholes. We don't fucking know. And... The fact that you guys were so accepting of us and so into it, it just pushed us even further, and we have never, ever fucking forgotten it. And I hope you fucking know that. Okay. So here's another one. This one was sent through from Chloe Leonard. And Chloe, Chloe's very quiet, Chloe. She might be in the bathroom. Maybe. Um, what is your favorite metal subgenre? My favorite metal subgenre? <laughs> I don't even know. How many, I mean, can it just be metal? I mean, fuck. Do you know what we were discussing earlier? There's right. a new genre that, that TikTokers are getting into, and they're calling it divorce dad rock. That's, that's a thing, right? Anyone on TikTok? What the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> Okay, well, that's my favorite now. Like, that's my, yeah. Divorced dad metal. Okay. I'd listen to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have one here, Stephanie Sleet, who said, oh, Hi, Stephanie. Okay. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, God. I wanted to be a, a history teacher. For real. Yeah, I was... I'm still, to this day, like a massive history fanatic. I love, I love studying, I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why I love this country. You wear your history on your sleeve, and then you go to America, and the oldest thing there is a McDonald's from 1973, <laughs> which fucking sucks. 
Um, but I've always loved history. Um, not only not only history in re- in general, but music history. Um, so I've I've loved to study it and and kind of see how things recur if we make the same mistakes. Um, however, being a teacher means going to school. I was asked to leave very well, not so politely, but they did kick me the fuck out. Um, and then I also realized that I have no patience for little kids. I probably pushed them down by their face. So. Don't cheer that. It was a, yeah. I mean, I like, yes. how'd you like that? Well, your daughter was sent home today because the history teacher pushed her down by her stupid face. And that's coming from a dad. How do you think I feel about it? So yeah, so that was like that was what I wanted to do when I was young. Um, obviously, I I failed upwards. So there you go. In fact, that, that ties with Rowan uh, Bruley Edwards' question, who said, "What advice would you give 18-year-old Corey?" Don't drink. <laughs> no, fuck off. This would be a wholly different gig if I was drinking. All right, I'd be naked. I'd be out there and. <laughs> You ever seen a shaven manatee? That's what this looks like. No, honestly, I would tell, I would tell, this is true, I would tell my 18-year-old self that it's going to be okay because no one ever fucking told me that when I was young. And anyone who needs to hear that right now, listen to me. It is going to be Okay, no matter what is going on, it is all temporary, and you can get through it because you're fucking stronger than you goddamn think, and I fucking mean that. I think for most people here, it's actually your music who got us through, that got us through those hard times, right? Thank you. Along those lines, Jess White, Asked, I look around, Jess isn't, is I Jess here? <laughs> I might not be him. What song have you written that means the most to you? Oh, shit. Um, I mean, that's a good fucking question, man. I mean, there's several that mean the most to, uh, well, that one certainly has a lot of meaning these days. Um, I, you know what? I'll break it down by band. Uh, with with Slipknot, the one that I think means the most to me and has the most meaning is Disasterpiece. <laughs> Honestly, because it's probably some of my angriest lyrics. Like, it was voted the worst lyrics of 2001. <laughs> it's a true story. Really? Yeah, in alternative press, the fucking assholes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was amazing. And I read that and I hung it up on my wall. I was like, I'm going places. Look at that shit. Um, but no, you, you have to have a real sense of visceral anger to write something like, I want to slit your throat and fuck the wound. Anyone who's ever felt that level of rage can identify. You know what I mean? But it's because I was able to sing that that I was able to get my demons under control, you know? And it's helped me move on. So it's songs like that that has helped me kind of process. Now, with, with Stone Sour, it would probably be 
honestly, through glass. What, I, what we just sang together. Largely because so many people have the meaning wrong of what that song actually means. So many people, it means different things to them. And I'm never going to correct them because once it comes out of my mouth, it belongs to you. And once it means something to you, I'm never going to change that. What it means to me is completely different than what it means to you. And that was the first time I ever really realized the duality of meanings when it comes to lyrics and whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a special moment for me kind of feeling that. Uh, with the solo thing... Uh, God, man, I, I don't know. I may not have written it yet, but the, the closest would probably be post-traumatic blues. Um, no, no. No, I mean, that one's, that one's good, but I'm going to go, I'm, honestly, I'm going to go with Black Eyes Blue because, because it was a style that I had always wanted to write about and that song is all about the first time my wife and I were here in London together. It's all, about, it's all about that journey. She had never been here before, and we got to come here, and I got to see this city through her eyes. And I thought I loved it before, and now it's one of my favorite cities in the entire fucking world. So, so it's, it's those three, those three songs. Like, like those are the ones that really mean the most to me. Thank you for letting us in on your true love story. Because it's welcome. so awesome, right? That's the content we wait for on Instagram. We're like, oh. I know. It's, I'm, such a, I'm such a goob for her. Like, she doesn't even know. It's awesome. So, another one here. Okay, we're whittling these down, and it might start getting a bit yeah, weird. Yeah, we're, we're killing it. Right, it might get a little bit weird. Okay, so, Kenny Allen. Kenny Allen, right, you, you caused the most conversation backstage. <laughs> oh, this ought right? to be good. Because, right. Right. do you want to hear Kenny Allen's question? <laughs> Kenny Allen said, can you describe your bands as types of sandwiches? Isn't the most British question? <laughs> well, we're gonna try. I mean, um, I mean, the fuck? Uh, <laughs> that guy, he meant that shit. Um, okay, let's start with Slipknot. Slipknot would have to be an Italian grinder with extra fucking jalapenos in it. Um, and just hints of broken glass in it. But you don't know which bite has the broken glass in it. So you're kind of eating with the edge of your face. Yeah. Stone Sour would probably be uh, I, what do they call those here? Like a bacon slammer? It's like a, it's like a breakfast sandwich with tons of bacon hanging out the side. It's really, really good. Bacon butty. But it's going to make you, what's that? Bacon butty, everyone shouting. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, 
It's gonna fucking make you take a shit, like literally within 15 minutes. And then my solo band, and I'm just gonna do this because Tooch is in it. Um, an 18 inch Philly cheesesteak. With, because I've seen that man polish one that size, and I am not shitting you four minutes. And I look at him and go, what are you made of? Did you just absorb that with your body? What the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, we all stand in awe of the way this man can eat. And then he goes, and he weighs like a buck nothing. He's six foot fucking tall, and he goes, I'm gonna get to get bigger jeans. These are a little tight on me. I go fuck yourself. <laughs> Fucking tooch. All right. So those, those. I hope that answered your incredibly interesting question. You psychopath. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. honestly, Maynard getting asked this shit. Yeah, it's just like, so what would you say a Pussifer's sandwich ratio would be? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. All right, come on. Melanie Gower next. <laughs> Hello, Melanie. So Melanie said, if your life had a theme song, what would it be? If my, if my life? <laughs> no. I didn't write that song, you assholes. Is it my life? If your life had a theme song, so... If my life Imagine had... the, the end of your 80s now, film when you've got that is montage. It a, is it a song that I've written, or is it just a song that I love? That uh, This song that I love. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, I would say... <laughs> this is going to piss people off. I would say Sound Your Funky Horn by KC and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> Only because... If I am in the shit mood, the shittest of moods, the darkest of moods, the black coffee of moods, all I have to do is put on pretty much anything from KC and the Sunshine Band, and I'm suddenly bopping around my house cleaning shit. And I don't know, I don't know what the fuck, he's just like a musician or like a magician, or he hypnotizes me with his fucking, I mean, he just, he's into it, you know? Anybody wears that many crazy shirts, has to be fucking into it. So that song, and I know that people are gonna be like, but listen to it, and listen to that song and tell me that it doesn't put you in a great fucking mood. It just makes you wanna do the dishes for your mom. <laughs> um, okay, so as we get, we're getting towards the end of the time, so I'm gonna try and race through these. Okay, let's go. Um, we've got one here. This is also from Melanie Gower that says, what's your most useless talent? My most useless talent? I think we've just established. Um, I can, uh, let's see, I can turn $10,000 into a million DVDs. I can, uh, I can do one card trick, and I don't have cards, so don't ask. Um, I can, uh, burp half the alphabet. Um, here's a cool, here's, oh no. Nope. The way I feel right now, oh, Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're not gonna win this argument. If, here's the thing, if I try to burp right now, it's going to projectile vomit across everyone. And this is not, this is not a Gallagher or a Guar show. I'm not trying to, 
soak anyone in my fluids. Um, yeah, that, I'd say that's about it. We've got a really good one here from Tony Turner. Um, Tony Turner said, what is one thing that you would never do again? Shit. Well, <laughs> if I've learned anything from my wife is that you should always try something twice. Um, okay, well, there's two answers to this. Only one I'm going to share with you because the other one's X-rated. Once again. Um, I tell you what, I would never do acid again because, no, there's a fucking reason. Now, hold on a sec. I had one of the worst experiences possible taking that venomous bullshit. But I will say this, I would 100% probably microdose again because that's, oh, pure joy. I have never laughed that hard since. And I just, I, at one point, I double dosed on mushrooms and I was just staring into a teapot, watching my eyes go, and I was like, yes! Best moment of my fucking life. Completely different from the acid trip that left me trying to attack a tree in my grandmother's backyard at 3.30 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, no, I did. I had fucking just scraped the shit out of my face because I was trying to bite it. And I was in my underwear. So we're not doing that twice. Okay. Um... It's just the image of you trying to bite I a know. tree. I know. It's just... <laughs> and I had a leg up. I you, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, Matthew Marshall, if Matthew's here. What is the hardest album you've made and why? Oh, shit. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say Volume 3. Um, and not... Not because of the effort or the creativity that was going into it. Honestly, because of what was going on with me at the time. Um, obviously, everybody knows I've, I've struggled with uh, alcoholism most of my life. Um, well, just addictions in general. And when I got to the mansion that summer, I was probably in one of the worst places that I ever fucking found myself. I was drinking at least three bottles of Jack Daniels a day. And that's not including what I was drinking at the bars w before I would come home. And I would always make sure that I had bought new bottles before I came home so I could wake up and I wouldn't have to force myself to go down to the store and buy more. This is bad. Now, I was so bad that I don't, eat, I don't remember a lot from that. But what I do remember is when I got, when I finally decided to quit drinking, I had three days of the worst detox that I've ever had. I mean, shaking to the point of convulsion. My sweat smelled like Jack Daniels. I mean, it was fucking insane. And it was thick. I mean, it was coming out of my pores. It was like my body was trying to save itself, but it didn't know how because I had embalmed myself. Um, and then I had... A, an insane moment 
where I was sitting with Greg Fiddleman, and he was playing me stuff that I had recorded while I was drinking. And I can promise you, it was the worst shit I had ever heard. It made me embarrassed to be a singer. And I told him, I was like, erase all of it. We are starting from scratch. And that was when I really started to kind of focus on the album, man. And, and before, I mean, I still have lyrics to write. I'm coming at this place from a place where I didn't even know who the fuck I was. Because all I'd known was this cocoon of alcohol, man. All I knew was that I was running from pain. I was running from things in my own life. I was running from shit from my past. And all I was doing was just trying to medicate, 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 medicate. Just stay, just stay happy. And I wasn't. I wasn't at all. So some of that really started to bleed through, in, especially in the final passage of Danger Keep Away, that last little bit that you hear on that album. It was probably one of the most honest things that I had ever written because it was the first thing I really wrote without alcohol. And I felt myself kind of open up and I was like, that's it. That's, I never want to do this again. And I've had some slips in the past because honest, nobody ever really gets it right the first time. But I'm really happy to say that I've been sober now for 13 years. And Thank you. I really appreciate that. Don't make me tell a fart joke. <laughs> Do you know what? Thank you so much, Corey, for sharing that with us. Um, because I think everyone's saying here, we're proud of you. And I think that vulnerability, Corey's ability to always show up and share yourself in the most beautiful way with all of us through your lyrics through your interviews you're like one of the biggest rock stars in the world and here you are with us all in Kingston like I want you to know something for the longest time I didn't have a lot of reason in my heart to live. But as my life has gone on, and you guys have been there for me, you have no idea what it means.
I promise you this. I promise you this. As long as you are here, I will always be here for you. Corey, thank you so much. We are so glad that you are here because I think a lot of us are here because you've got us through those times. So from myself and from everybody here, all I can say is, Corey, thank you. Thank you guys. I guess that's it. Um, thank you so much for coming out. Um, and I'll see you motherfuckers in November, man. My good friend Sophie Kate. we're best friends now and I feel like the next time I see Corey I'm going to be like hey bestie and he's going to look at me and go who are you? are weird. <laughs> what did you call me? <laughs> what? what? Um, yeah Managing so that was the interview someone? with Corey Taylor and um, Yasmin I this so yes I had to hold it in right when I did that interview I had to hold it together because Corey was the one in pain and who the hell and like the audience was crying Corey was crying and I was very aware that I have to hold this together this morning I had such a cry about it because all of those emotions because he was so raw and vulnerable I've it reminded me of the Viceland interview he did in a way not as not as um dark as that one but the fact he was so raw He's a very interesting person when you think about it because I liked the duality. I liked um, the duality of that interview because like sometimes I'm laughing, other times I'm crying. Mm. Like you just, it's it was a really good interview. Like I think I I'll listen back to that numerous times and be like, that's how you do an interview because it was just it was really good, but also really sad. Like he's such a such an honest person i I couldn't be that vulnerable i couldn't like i i cry at any minor inconvenience if someone was to say to you toxic masculinity which is a term that's thrown around for you know like bro culture or whatever it might be what i love about metal is a lot of the artists and especially people like Corey taylor are the opposite to that oh my god because Corey got up on stage and with his whole heart opened up his chest, sobbed to a crowd full of, in front of a crowd full of people and told us the most heartfelt stories. And that's why I think metal is honestly one of the healthiest like scenes that there is in music, in the world of music. 100%. I think people think that metal's kind of like just this scary everyone wants to like sacrifice goats or whatever that's part of it but i also think like metal can be so therapeutic because it's so angry that you get out so many emotions and then Mm. when the anger's gone there's like all this this sadness left and you you have to really come to terms with you know what you're feeling inside and and confront it quite 
brutally and upfront when it listen when you're listening to metal music and that's kind of what I love like I, therapy has been great don't get me wrong but metal music has done a lot for me as well there was a guy who was in the front row and I was really upset I didn't manage to catch him afterwards um and I'm still thinking about I'm like oh, I wish I said more but when Corey said there are days where you can feel like you don't want to carry on and this guy just shouted that's me right now oh it's giving me chills right now um i know i'm gonna start crying i'm welling up and i i really hope that Corey's words that's why i was so wanting to put it on this podcast because i hope that Corey's words have helped people who are in that audience and can also help people in the wider world because Corey and i were talking about it and we were talking about how like the whole narrative of you've got to talk to someone doesn't always fix things because no. it's not that simple you can talk to people but you're not connected so like yeah you can talk about your problems but it's like you to have that connection is a different thing to be understood to be heard you can talk yeah but like there's a difference between talking about something and feeling heard feeling seen feeling understood you know and i felt heard i felt understood listening to yeah. that interview and listening to him speak because there was a lot of things that i was like yeah if i could go back like three years i'd tell myself the same thing like it's just i think it's quite beautiful because i he probably i like many people in the public sphere he probably doesn't realize the true impact of like the things he say the things he says and the messages that he preaches but i think so many people in that room would have felt so empowered and Mm. like they could keep going even if it's for one more day you know what i mean i was looking around people's eyes were welling like my eyes were welling up they're welling up now even think about it i was looking around the room and like I kept making eye contact with people whose eyes were like full of tears and you could see that he'd really had a massive impact and when we were upstairs I I said to him I was like Corey when you said that um about your issues with with uh, addiction there were multiple people in the audience who went me too me too and I was like and so you sharing about being sober for 13 years is something to be so proud of because those people you're provided he was like don't you're gonna make me go again <laughs> and he got really emotional i think i can just really- imagine you and him upstairs backstage going <laughs> crying together i love it i love it well it's it was beautiful to see because you know how i tell you the truth on this podcast and i won't say something if it's not true but there's a lot of rock stars in this world who put on this facade of being um inspirational yeah and being like a source of knowledge yeah yeah a lot of people who pretend that so they, many they are the next next messiah yeah and they talk about mental health they talk about all of these things and they do it as a way to sell records Corey, that just genuinely came from nowhere it wasn't planned i could see that he was he'd just not slept for ages um but yeah it was beautiful i love the fact as well that he was talking about um films and bowie and sandwiches <laughs> was... i am um, i try not to have parasocial relationships with people because you you never really know who someone is until you actually know them but just from hearing him speak so candidly without any prompt you know without any like reason to he was just saying it because he that's what he thought and what was on his mind i feel like i had I gained even more respect than I ever thought I had. Like, I had a lot of respect for Corey Taylor just straight out the gate. But, like, hearing the way he speaks about his battle with addiction and his own mental health and, like, his perseverance, like, 
I gained a new respect for him and I respect mm. him immensely, but like that's just been tripled now. He is um, definitely someone to be admired. Um, but I will not be getting my Corey Taylor tattoo because... Because how do you meet said, him and go, hey Corey, here's my Corey Taylor tattoo? There were so many people who were like, I've got a Corey Taylor. There was literally about twelve people in the order, just in front, not even the extra people on the balconies. All of these people were like, yeah, I've got a Corey Taylor tattoo, and it was really funny because he'd just been calling them weirdos. Yeah, yeah, I hope, I hope, <laughs> I, I get it as someone who's got tattoos of other band members, and I hope those band members call me face? I technically do. What? This is new information. Where? What? I have a Q pie, a Q pie of Haley Williams in the riot era here. So it's a Q pie, which is like a. Okay, a that's not the same. That's kind so of cartoony. It's, it's, it's like a cartoon of Haley Williams, and then I've got Bertie lyrics, and then I've got uh, Architect song. Um, so yeah. <laughs> have you shown that to Sam Carter? I, he's seen it. He has seen it. He said it was really cool at the time, and um, I haven't shown him in person, but he saw it on Twitter. I, next time I meet him, I'll be like. Look what I did. Look at me Aww. being silly. Um, so yeah, if anyone has any questions about that event, about that experience, about chatting to Corey Taylor, any parts of it that you wanted to know more about, let me know. Send me a message. We need to talk about Divorced Dad Rock. You introduced Corey Taylor to Divorced Dad Rock. <laughs> As I said it, it was coming out of my mouth and I was like, why oh. is this coming out of my mouth? Why is this coming out of my mouth? Um, <laughs> But the audience gave it a little boo. <laughs> divorced dad metal. That's what we but like to hear. It wasn't even the divorced dad rock that they booed. It was TikTok that they booed. Oh, no. No. Don't boo TikTok. <laughs> I get okay. it. I get it. I single-handedly am a menace on Slipknot TikTok. It's just me girly dancing to like, cut, yeah. cut, cut me up the butt. Fuck me out. Like, I know all of those people would have booed me. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so that was a whole thing. I introduced him to Divorce Dad Rock. Um, I liked the bit about sandwiches. That actually tickled me, like, so much. That is such a good question to ask. It was so random. I was going to cut it out. I was going to cut that question out, and I didn't have it highlighted. And then um, one of their team came up to me. It was like, no, this is, this is a good question. I think it'll be funny. I'm angry. I've never thought of that question in an interview. Like, genuinely, top-tier interview question. I think if you did it as a a journalist oh i'd be I think laughed i'd be laughed you might at. be you might be banned um but i think the guy who did it who was just at the back of the room um and just looked like the biggest rick and morty fan in the world take from that what you will um <laughs> i think from him it was okay it was a good answer though he gave a really good specific answer which is what i love i loved him talking about his wife oh, i love I'm them so, so wholesome much. it's so wholesome I'm, I'm very gay but like god do i wish i had that so wholesome i want it's them so to adopt beautiful. me is that weird no that's weird i shouldn't say that considering that he might listen to- i'm sorry Corey taylor but also if you're taking adoption forms i am here I wonder, there's probably a lot of people listening who would like to know. I know the answer because um, I know you, but how do you prepare to interview someone like Corey Taylor? Like, what is the prep involved? So, the prep for Corey Taylor, um, I watched every interview he's done in the past few months um, and I read all of the interviews he'd done and then I went over some highlights over the years. But it was hard because Corey Taylor, that he's so open, there's so much out there that 
it's hard to research. I think because I've been researching Corey Taylor and Slipknot for longer than I've been doing my career. <laughs> yeah, for, I'm probably about 15 years or something. Um, and because I've been doing that obsessively, because I am um, autistic and Slipknot's one of my special interests, as is rock and metal. So, yeah, because I've been doing that obsessively a lot of that was in there already okay. like the point about the tattoo for okay. example okay that's yeah i mean that makes sense i feel like me with bear tooth that's that would be me with bear tooth but i would i have no control and i would just work like i would brain vomit all the information i've accumulated about bear tooth over the past like 10 years and be like so when you did this in 2014 or when you released this thing in 2015 and this poor man will be looking at me like <laughs> what's wrong with you god god help the day that they let me interview caleb Shomo. i know some people are going to say well you didn't have to research because you had the questions from the audience but actually you do have to research because if he tells you something about um a gig or something that happened you need to have a basic knowledge of it to be able to have that get the depth with him, out yeah. of the question and be able to talk about it so yeah. just to come back at anybody who thinks were there that- any questions or more so were there any answers that he gave that surprised you like you had a question ready and he gave you an answer you didn't expect well obviously the one about the hardest album to record mm-hmm. um that was pretty intense um it's hard because with Corey taylor like he's so open with everything um i think the one that surprised me the most was his experience on acid yeah yeah he was so open about it and i love that he was so open and i love that he was saying like drugs are bad and don't do drugs he, kids yeah because although we laugh about trying to bite a tree let's be honest if you want to keep your teeth trying to fight a tree is probably mm. not the way forward not the way forward no really not the way forward this is the final question probably the, okay. the peak question what would you have asked Corey taylor if you could have asked him a question so I did. One of them was mine. Oh! oh! And it was one of, about the Paul Booth tattoo. Oh my God. I didn't listen I, enough. <laughs> and I did have another question for him that I pre-planned with him at the start. And it was about the famous beef between Slipknot and Limp Biscuit. <gasps> and I wanted to find out how him and Fred Durst finally buried the hatchet. And he was like, he was like, yeah, sure, I'll talk about that. He was like, I've talked about that loads in interviews. We're good friends now. And um, when it got to the interview, because of the way things were going, that question just didn't fit in the narrative of where the questions were going. What so a I question? question? I need to know. I know. But they're friends. I think it was to do with the fact that Fred Durst brought his kids to a Slipknot show. And they were stood side stage and they got photos and they were just like chatting. Because I think they just, they'd grown up. Like they were young and stupid and then they just grew up, I, I, I imagine. So yeah, so that's it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing the chat with Corey Taylor. Um, I hope you enjoyed the British humour. If you're not listening from the UK, I hope you enjoyed the British humour when it came to um, our random questions like about sandwiches. <laughs> um, that's one of my favourites, truly. And the, and the horror one. I really enjoyed that one. The horror one was good. There was also, you know when he was saying about a bacon butty, basically? Yes, yes. I could hear someone stage left shouting red or brown sauce and i was like oh for fuck's sake de-british it de-british it brown sauce all the way 
Well, he's American, so they don't have brown sauce. They don't have brown sauce? I don't think so. I think that's a British thing, Yasmin. Oh, my God. What? Say what? Saying brown sauce really doesn't intrigue me. It There's doesn't. nothing about... It really doesn't. Like, what are the ingredients? <laughs> What's the selling point? It's brown and it's a sauce. Well, I've Googled it, and apparently English brown sauce is basically steak sauce. So in America, A1 sauce might be a good um, analogue with its complexity of flavour. We typically use steak sauce on beef, but it's fairly versatile. So yeah, so we would put A1 sauce in a bacon sandwich, but I need to try this A1 sauce and see if it's similar, because I can't imagine brown sauce with a steak. Next episode, let's do it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, how's this, right? Lord knows there's enough American food shops down central London, which actually fronts for money laundering, but that's a whole thing. Um, (laughs) Yes! Maybe we should do an episode trying some... Maybe we should do a care package with an American podcast and get them to send us American snacks and we will send them British snacks. Ooh, maybe we do that with, like, an American podcast on the Knotfest channel. Like Hardlaw or... Yeah. Do you think Hardlaw would do that with us, though? Or would they be like, who are you? Why do you want our address? They love discussing food. They (laughs) love discussing food. Why do you want our address? Why does that random little gremlin in the corner want our address? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Or she's, she's... She's with the band as well. We could ask Ooh. them. They're also I mean, part of I don't feel like we have a good selling point. You look like The Rock and I'm the little gremlin on your shoulder. <laughs> I do not look like The Rock. You are. <laughs> I look like, I mean, not The Rock. He's never had blonde dyed hair. Listen, Yasmin is just serving me circa five, ten years ago. So <laughs> yeah. Get your yeah. own style. Yeah. <laughs> I dyed my hair and then I went, wait, I know this look. Yeah, that was my look for literally um, my entire career until a few years ago. It's going to be my look now. Me, 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 me. Anyway, that's the end of our podcast. Um, at the end, I'm not going to say any words of wisdom because I feel like Corey Taylor had them all. I know. I feel like he had them all. But you know what we will do? You can follow us at We Wear Black Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and whatever social media apps are around this week. You can also email us, wewearblackpod at gmail.com. We do email episodes occasionally. So email us stuff. Email us questions. Email us your stories. Tell us everything or nothing. Email us hate. It's fun to read. No, don't email us hate. It no, gets really tiring. Um, I, like I can't handle it. <laughs> I just like reading and going, Ugh! I can't, like, if it's funny, hey, I feel bad laughing because I'm like, you know what, you're right. (laughs) Someone said I look like a troll and I was like, you're not wrong. Like, you're not wrong. (laughs) Okay, well, that's it. In fact, I called you a troll. I called you Tiny Diamond. I was like, your new name is Tiny Diamond. I didn't know whether you got the joke or not. No, you're my biggest hater. I know. Tiny Diamond is my name. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I was born yesterday. (laughs) Literally, the trolls film was out yesterday. Oh, oh, no, I don't watch Trolls. I have a life. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, we'll see you next time here on our Wednesdays. We wear black. I'm Sophie K. I'm Yasmin Seaman. Bye. Goodbye. You were listening to On Wednesdays, We Wear Black. Please rate and subscribe so that we can keep doing what we do. Special thanks goes out to the Nova Twins for the badass music and Wargasm for the killer screams. See you next week.